0: and it's over to Lewis and Robbie.
1: Hello and welcome listeners to episode 167 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast. With too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderson and I'm joined by a man who has recently just been uh, blowing out some birthday candles. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going?
2: Good, mate. Good, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm well. Uh, the... Uh... Yeah, ages, ages creeping up on I me, mean, mate. 32, 32 this year. And and you 32. might say. Mate, yeah. you, don't,
1: you don't look a day over 46, well, I would have well, said.
2: Thanks, mate. Moisturising <laughs> is the it? key. Moisturising is Is it? Yeah, heavy, yeah. heavy moisturiser. Thank you. Heavy moisturiser. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh,
1: haven't found that all the, uh, all the hand sanitising you've been doing has been drying your hands out at all, or are you applying a nice lather of moisturiser on afterwards?
2: Well, that, that's the giveaways, the hands, I'm, I'm told. You know, you can have all the work done on your face, but the back of the hands is the giveaway.
1: You can't, you can't hide the back of your hands no. when, it, when, it, when it's looking all wrinkly. No, yeah,
2: right that's
1: right. Yeah, he, that's what they say. Anyway, it my
2: birthday. How's your week been?
1: Yeah. Weeks, weeks been uh, interesting actually. Yeah. Um, I've had, um, so listeners will know that you we know, have, we've had you know, given that there's the vet crisis at the moment, you know, there's not, not a lot of vets around. And I was lucky enough to find a vet uh, wandering around at home, um, that, uh, that didn't have a job. And so I said, uh, Hey, Hey, Christina, um, any chance you can come in and work for yes. us? Um, yeah, you know, uh, it was, it was put as a question, but was a, in the end more of a statement. Um, but, uh, so it's been really interesting having Christina coming because I've been at the clinic now for ten years, and so you know, the clients know me really well, and um, and you know, they are used to the um, to let's say um, humour that uh, that uh, that comes across in the in the consults. Humor, so
2: humour in inverted commas, you mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In the eye yeah. of the beholder. Yeah, yeah. When you when you when you're trying to perform to an audience of one. You know, it's a, if that one person laughs, you know you're in a, you know you're on a winner. You know, if the one person doesn't laugh, well then look they're probably having a bad day. But you know, if you're in an auditorium with a whole lot of people, yeah, you know, trying to get that if you still to get that one person laughing, or oh, would it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty cavernous sound. Um. So anyway, Christine has been um seeing these uh, seeing these clients, and she's been uh, having them starting to recall my jokes that I say to them back to her. Uh, and right. So, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Going, oh, oh, oh yeah oh, look i mean we've been seeing robbie for years oh you're robbie's wife oh that's terrific you know um yeah i oh, know he's been you know these are the these are the funny things he says and one of them was um <laughs> uh, Christina was taking the temperature of um this little jack russell and the owner said oh yeah no robbie often says oh look i'm you know sorry little fella but unfortunately the bum to thermometer ratio isn't in your uh, isn't in your favor <laughs> and christine's got yeah, that, do, that does sound like something that he would say. It does sound, <laughs> does sound like something that Robbie thinks would be quite funny, you know, it would be quite serious. You've got to make light of it, Lewis. When you're sticking something up a dog's bum, you've got to try and find some way of trying to break the ice, if you will.
2: <laughs> Very good, mate. Maybe, she, um, maybe that was sort of uh, something that, um, that was early on the relationship that you brought up. Was it the ratio of things to certain things? Was, was there a bit of a chat about that? She was reminiscing maybe early days.
1: Absolutely. It's a, a a lot of it would stemmed from the ratio of the uh, of the starter into the sourdough that gets made. So that's like oh, the, that's, that's the sourdough. of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what you all have been alluding of to. Of course, so. mate.
2: Of course, mate. I've yeah. been uh,
1: yeah, lockdown, lockdown's
2: been uh, well, it's sort of we're still in lockdown. Uh, I've been I actually got onto a Facebook page. And I don't know if you've seen this, mate. It's it's a Facebook page called 367. Collins Falcon watches.
1: No, no, I haven't.
2: Hasn't come across my desk. Yeah, funny, funny you haven't. It's a a bit of a niche area for the Twitch's listeners out there. But these two peregrine falcons uh, that nest at the top of the Mervac building in the CBD Melbourne. Um, Oh, really? They just just laid their fourth egg.
1: Oh, really? Their fourth
2: eggs. And action's going to happen about a month away. We'll have four, right. hopefully four little hatchlings that'll be little fluffy birds just perched on a ledge right over the CBD of Melbourne. Um, these peregrine falcons, are pretty actually pretty cool. Every now and then I'll get a bit of an update and watch what they're going on. So nothing if, safer. If, no, well, yeah, something, something a bit different that uh, just a little bit of life in lockdown. So if is, if you're anywhere the- anywhere worldwide, I'm sure you can get on Facebook and have a look at it.
1: Is that the Peregrine Falcons rubbing it in the face of everyone else who can't actually come into Melbourne at the moment? That they can say, oh, yeah, we can come into Melbourne. And it's, it's so nice and quiet here now that we can just you know, have our babies on the, on, on the side of a building.
2: Well, they did it last year. So they always come back to the same spot. So um, it's interesting. And there's uh, every now and then they bring in, obviously, they're being uh, falcons. They eat birds. It seems to be their main food that they catch. Right. And someone had done an Excel sheet of the different birds that they'd caught and brought up to feed the other one while they were on the nest <laughs> last year. And I was like, I don't know. The number one was like pigeon, you know. Pigeon, a, pigeon. Yeah, it pigeon, was a pigeon. pigeon some pigeon, some pigeon. sort of pigeon. Spotted yeah, yeah. partilope, pigeon. Pigeon, yeah. pigeon, 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 <laughs> sparrow. Right? It was it was incredible. I thought that's that's a that's commitment right there. So go if you do that sort of thing, go and check it out.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, there wasn't any any mention on there about them uh, feeding their partner like a killer rabbit or anything like that.
2: No, no, there no. wasn't. I don't, I don't know if that's in the diet. You, did you see one, mate?
1: Well, I tell you what. Um, if the if the Peregrine Falcon is in the need of uh of, of a little bunny, there is a uh a, a little bunny that that weighs in at a mighty one point zero two kilograms, who has uh, quite nicely. Uh, I'm not sure if you can see that on the on the video. Ooh, it's coming out, yeah, absolutely scratched the bird jesus out of wow. my arm on uh, on wednesday so um so this little bunny it's it can only be described as a kamikaze bunny um yes. in that it's about 18 months old and i reckon i've caught it from jumping off the table at least 15 times in the times of when i've seen it it just wow. it, it just goes absolutely like i mean bunnies they're prey species they don't like coming in and seeing us and they they try and do anything and everything they can to try and escape sometimes or they just sit there and they just get paralyzed with fear and just let you do whatever you want. And yeah, this one
2: is freeze or flight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So this one's definitely fight and, and flight you know yeah, fight so and flight
2: freeze yeah. fight or flight yeah sorry yeah, yeah. this, yeah, this, this one, one
1: ain't ain't no, ain't no freeze this this one is just gonna yeah kick and scream like all, all sorts of drugs so anyway so it came in for its checkup and vaccination i managed to catch it three times when i tried jumping off and uh oh, wow. and one of those times uh yeah unfortunately just before i trimmed its nails uh yeah it, uh, rip, rip my gotcha. arm to shreds and so oh then some,
2: wow yeah so that's somebody, a nasty scratch mate
1: Oh geez, and somebody later on, um, sorry, go. Oh geez, looks like you've looks like you've, you know some animals had a bit of a go. And she said, "Yeah, So 1.02 kilogram <laughs> rabbit. Not not quite as you know manly, and yeah, very difficult to try and you know. So I I always try and you know with with bunnies try and keep them stable. You know, try and keep a hand on them at all times, so that then that way they can feel like there's you know not not that they're being you know feel secure just feel yeah.
2: secure yeah
1: feel secure that there's no point in trying to escape because they're because they're secure and yet this bunny oh my goodness yeah you know, you, you, wow. give it, you give it a half an inch and it just poof, makes for the exit so oh, anyway wow. so, so we let, might... let, let me know if you see that on the excel spreadsheet of a uh, of little bunny that's
2: <laughs> oh uh, well we uh, might put that photo on the patreon mate send it through uh if you yeah. scratch and we'll put that on the patreon for the listeners to to, to have a check check out um the uh Interesting way I had one this week. Uh, Carl sent me a, a message during the week. He, we had a, um, he had a client faint on him um, oh, right. uh, this, this week as well. So I think uh, one of the other vets was uh, taking some bloods from their cat or something like that and said, oh, you know, maybe just hop out of the room. And the owner sort of said, oh, I'll go at the front kind of thing. And, and Carl was uh, at the reception. He's heard this thud on the door which is locked we're locking locking the front door thought oh that's a bit weird maybe you know someone's sort of just trying to get in bit of a knock and he's seen this and he's opened the door and this lady the owner sort of fell in on him into the the waiting room and he's he sort of caught her and
1: fell into um, his waiting arms
2: yeah well kind of yeah so he's he's sort of trying to grab this lady and maneuver around and thought he's had this idea that he um you know he'd prop her up in a chair in the waiting room for some reason that she's you know, obviously fainted, yes. um, but then of course, she's not going to stop in the chair. And so then she's sort of fallen forward on him again. And, and, and we're on a, a strip shop sort of thing. So people walking past her kind of looking in here and, you know, he's, he's Carl sort of, you know, kind of rag or trying to control this lady is falling all over the place. And, uh, and eventually uh, I think he sort of got a, down onto onto the ground and, and put her feet up on a chair and, and she came around all embarrassed, of course, as, yes. as people are. But it got me thinking that we don't actually do a subject at uni of how to sort of handle a fainting client because it is this something we see... I wouldn't say regularly, but I reckon you get at least a couple of year where where clients sort of faint. You know, you know being a being a handsome man, you know, I'm sure you get a little bit more regularly than uh, than than the average vet, Robbie. But uh, but we certainly do procedures that we're some clients just they don't like the sight of blood, or they don't like particularly eyes. Sometimes, sort of eyes or manipulating eyes or looking at the eyes of their pets really just just freaks them out. And, and if it's a bit warm in the room as well, everything just just seems to to start uh, the, the tunnel. Start vision starts coming, and they just sort of black out on us.
1: I find that um, yeah, you know, that's part of the reason why I work so hard on my humour in the consultation, Lewis, because that helps to helps with the blood flow, you know. Right. So, so we're oh yes. blood flow, helping oxygenation, and so it's much less likely that we're going to have people fainting. Now, but I uh, jokes, I did have someone faint on me when I was in England. Um, I was looking at their guinea pig, and um, and so I'd seen the guinea pig, examined it, did what I could with the guinea pig, which is not very much, and then you know, in all honesty, and, um, then uh, you know, as she's walking out the. Um, All right. Thank you very much. See you later. And um, close the door and just hear this thud and hear someone, someone screaming. I've come out and here's his guinea pig that has gone running out in front of me. And I'm looking at the, the, the poor girls, you know, lying on the floor and, and someone was already with her. And so I've gone, I've got to get the guinea pig. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, the least that I can do That's is try and loose. save the guinea pig from, from heading up to the waiting room where there's 15 dogs up there, you know, <laughs> to try and get this guinea pig. i it like, oh, crikey. So, um, so yeah, you know, and, and occasionally, you know, as you say, hot rooms and things like that. Mm. And, the, you know, people are, like, it used to happen a bit more as well when people would come in sick yeah you know, if people were feeling unwell sometimes they oh, yes. they um, they'd, they'd keel over a little bit more but uh, yeah no it's a, it, it would be an interesting you know, area you know, how how to, how to treat a, a collapsed owner
2: well, I think so. I think it's not something we really, we really get much information. I guess you sort of know now, yeah, you lie them down, elevate their feet, I guess, but I'm no first aid person. So I don't really know exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. But yeah, usually we, then we get some, something to eat. Generally, we'll get them some, you know, some gummy bears or, or jelly beans or something like that, they help with the sugar level. Sometimes that helps with the chocolate. But I, yes. yeah, I don't know exactly what we should be doing. So, yeah.
1: Doctors ABC.
2: Well, you know, that's from right. from, yeah. a, from
1: the uh you know from the, yeah. the, the foot the footy training thing, doctors A B C. Yeah, and uh, then grab
2: yeah. grab their tongue and pull it out, isn't that what you do? <laughs> that's right. Out? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just grab the guinea pig, put the guinea pig under their under their face, and that'll <laughs> that'll get a little bit of a raz up.
2: <laughs> so yeah, anyway, so we had about well, that this week just got me thinking, yeah, we don't have the don't have a uh, fainting one oh one, yeah, don't have that lecture when I mean, we're at yeah. vet school. But
1: plenty of other lectures about um, about odd heart diseases that you'll never see. Well, but. that's it, isn't it? there is is stuff or
2: you know i don't know some some sort of weird you know toxicity you might see in cows or sheep or something but you don't really ever see or something goats get you know like but don't teach about fainting 101 yeah anyway anyway but um i'll tell you what that owner they came back next time what could they or, or that perhaps that rabbit that rabbit that's a bit nervous
1: what could they give it mate well, I, th- I, th- I think if we can find a way with that bunny of just immersing it in a, uh, yeah, in a, in a, in a, in a vat of Zylkine, I think. A would be bath, A, a really good, a really good, Yeah, you we know, we can you know, put a little line along the mirror for it. And while it's, you know, sort of having its little, do its little stress sniffs and you just sort of run it along there, like a little, you know, little, little cocaine bunny. That might help to, <laughs> help to relax. And so that's not necessarily the way that, Zilke is no. prescribed to try and take it, but uh, you can put it in food, and you know why not? It'd probably be a reasonable. Uh, it 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 couldn't hurt me any less. Give it trying the bunny on Zilke.
2: It's a great anxiety lowering medication. We do recommend it for our cats and dogs. Um, it's it's um it's really good. Uh, you know, mild anxiety for um, if you've got some issues, maybe socialisation of your your new puppy, or you know you're going to the vet, or you're going to travel with your dog or your cat. Really good to get them a bit on on some some Zilke. Not that we're travelling far these days, but uh, but certainly if you get the yeah. chance in the future, really really do appreciate. It. Thank you very much. Help, Zilke, help for out support. with
1: separation. Help out with separation anxiety, even if we're not going very far. As you're getting your your dogs and, and cats used to you not being at home anymore. Yeah. Let's face it. Your cats are probably going to be pretty ecstatic when you all go back to work and school, but your dogs might not like it quite so much.
2: Yeah, exactly. Actually, I saw an article this week. Uh, I, I haven't, haven't got it on the, on the run sheet today, but it um, was about how people have more of an appreciation of how their cats um, work, the way we make our cats live in a confinement, Versus how we are in lockdown, in confinement, and comparing uh, that—a little bit of uh, anthropomorphizing that um, that our cats um, sort of uh, uh, are stuck in the home environment, and how how maybe that's not so ideal for their welfare as it isn't so ideal for our welfare. So interesting article. Might uh, we might touch on that next week. Yeah, yeah,
1: dive um, on that one as well. Yeah, right. Excellent.
2: And actually got an email this week from uh, from Claire who. uh, links in really well with the new cherished food that's brought out by delicate care a big big sponsor of the podcast she says good morning lewis and robbie thought you might like a positive review for your podcast Dante who's uh um a um I think Italian Greyhound or a whippet I think we're a whippet uh uh loves his cherished food almost one one bag down and he has never been a consistent lover of any dry diet Ten uh ten out of ten from one very picky Iggy. So Italian greyhound Iggy. Oh,
0: there
2: you ha- go. Ha- have a great one. Um and if possible, any chance. Um of Deb th- coming I, on the show. Oh, yeah. have you you seen that? Uh, you seen that email, mate? Did you? Yeah, no, yeah. No. I'm, I'm well conditioned. Well conditioned
1: to know how the emails end these
2: days. <laughs> well, sure, Claire. We'll try and we'll try and put Deb on at some stage. But thank you very much. There's a there's a positive for the Cherish brand dog food that you can get at your local pet store. It's a uh, full of quality ingredients made by the guys from Delicate Care. Um, and so there's a there's a ten out of ten review right there for it. Couldn't get better. Perfect.
1: Yeah. We'll stick that straight on Google for him. That'd be good. That it's awesome. And also thank you very much to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, uh, go to patreon.com search for two vets, talk pets uh, and uh, yeah, sign up and uh, you know, we'll send you out a, a, uh, a sticker and maybe one of our uh, exclusive two vets talk pets face masks as well. <laughs> I
2: love that, mate. I love the face <laughs> mate, you made last during the week. Uh, Robbie, I said to Robbie, we need some two vets talk pets face masks, and uh, and he just drew on it, drew on a, a surgical mask. TVTP number one hundred podcast two thousand
1: nineteen
2: <laughs> top one hundred, top one hundred.
0: There we yeah. go. Yeah.
1: very good so, excellent thank you very much
2: patreon subscribers yes yeah thank you guys and go on to patreon you can see a photo of robbie's scratch mark too we'll put that up Absolutely. actually there's, there was a couple of a uh, couple of photos i put on last week i uh, yeah. got a little bit of a comment uh let me just find where this is uh got a bit of a comment from holly d friends on the uh the photo of the the two starfish that have been vomited the pacific Pacific sea stars that have been wound up by the Labrador. Uh, the term that comes to mind is nope. Okay. Very good. You <laughs> Enjoy that photo. Thank you, Holly. And then the second one, uh, the stick injury to the tongue of the dog that, that we posted as well. Oh, yes, Holly says, gritty for the win. So she's enjoying the grit.
1: The grit. The, the, the very grit. The grit. Very, very
2: uh, he's hoping it heals well and quickly. And nope. So... <laughs> Obviously, enjoying the graphic nature of the photos that we're putting up on Patreon. Well, well, there. So I'm thank you sure very much.
1: Her, her seeing my, uh, my, my scabs on my arm is going to be uh, another, <laughs> another big winner for you then, Holly. So my, uh, but definitely that,
2: gritty. Definitely was, gritty, but might get another nope from Holly. But thank you very much. We do hey, appreciate
1: do appreciate a little bit of feedback. It's nice. Thank you, everyone. It's, it's, it's nice to know that the people out there that are listening and want to interact with us, it's great. It is
2: nice. It is, we do. Uh,
1: what now, What do you been, got the uh, news, yeah, mate? So searching around in the news, I mean, from the sports section, Lewis, um, a, uh, you know, um, anyone from uh, Victoria or that has an interest in Aussie rules will know that uh, Hawthorne coach Alistair Clarkson uh, left uh, this year. And uh, one of the uh, parting articles that uh, Jake Nile, one of uh, uh, the age's head writers, was talking about, talking about some of the idiosyncrasies that Alistair Clarkson would uh, would often do. He's you know, known as a... Uh, you know, an, an interesting, an interesting type of coach. Um, and so here's a story from, um, Uh, From the article, Grant Birchall was puzzled why the coach had insisted on visiting his home um, on a Saturday afternoon in mid-May before an important game against Richmond. Birchall wasn't lining up against the Tigers, having barely played for two and a half seasons. A four-time premiership player in his 14th season at Hawthorne in 2019, he wondered and worried about the motivation for Alistair Clarkson's house call. Is he going to come over here and give me the sack? Birchall asked himself. Suddenly, Clarkson and his son, Matty, were at Birchall's door with an eight-week-old Labrador. They've got themselves a new dog or whatever, Birchall thought, asking Clarkson about the puppy. No, said the coach, I've bought this for you. Clarkson's theory, as relayed to Birchall, was that the veteran defender needed to take the dog for regular walks to heal a a troublesome calf. Clarkson also knew that Birchall was then living alone and figured he needed company. I'd have a mate to look after and I'd go on walk to get my calf right, said Birchall who had crossed the Brisbane Lions in the subsequent postseason. There was one hitch, though. Birchall had no history or expertise in pets. I'm not a dog person. <laughs> oh. he, he put the puppy in the laundry and wrapped it up in blankets. I had no idea what to do with it. The dog was uh, defecating everywhere and scratching. And I'll give the <laughs> listeners a tip. I don't think football players know what the word defecating means. He may have used a different word. <laughs> um so birch ran clarkson within 48 hours you're going to have to pick up this dog he's driving me up the wall clarkson having failed with his dog delivery went back to birch's place soon he popped over and picked it up and then he kept the dog for himself wow so, um you know uh, just don't buy people yeah dogs yeah puppy's know, puppy's
2: not for christmas yeah, or for torn calves. Yeah, that's right. I thought you were going to tell a story. Wasn't there a story about Clarkson's dog and Tom Scully and John Patton? Wasn't there a bit no, of. A, yeah. No, yeah.
1: Not not, not, not not accustomed with that story. Is that a story that wouldn't be appropriate for our uh, for our listeners, Lewis? Possibly
2: not. It was probably in the Courier Mail, that one, I imagine. Oh,
1: that one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. yeah one yeah. of those lifestyle questions. Um, uh, yes. Uh, articles. No, yeah. so, um, so yeah, you know, I, I was reading that going, oh man, you know, the, um, the idea, yeah, buy someone a puppy. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Someone that, you know, a a, a young bloke who's living for himself and has got no yeah. idea what's going on. Absolutely. Let's go and buy him a little Labrador puppy. What an uh, awesome not, idea.
2: Not even a dog. Uh, not, it says he's not a dog lover either. That's, uh, that's, that's not what you want. Make sure the people that you're getting the dog for know that you're getting a dog for them, that they want the dog. Yeah. Good tip. But-
1: Probably would have been a few years ago, though, before COVID, back before dogs were, you know, going for, like, $9,000. Yeah. But anyway. Yes.
0: yes. So, But the dog's yes. now
1: living with living with Alistair Clarkson and his family. So, you know, I guess all's well that ends well.
2: Well, it was interesting. This week I had a did have a client uh, come in and they brought their puppy deceased for the first time and a little oodle dog, gorgeous, cute little dog. Uh, they got it shipped down from Queensland, paid a, a tidy sum for the dog. Wow. Um, and, you know, the owner's... Well, I got the impression that they they didn't have a lot of money particularly, but obviously they'd you know saved up for a dog, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and put the stethoscope on the dog's heart, and it had quite a nasty heart murmur on oh, it. that no. uh, I was like, and and it's interesting in those cases where you um you know it's meant to be a lovely visit, first visit to the vet, you know, yep. you just check up, but you find something that's potentially not ideal. And I sort of said to them, you know, we can give it another month. We'll check it again at next vaccination. See yeah. if that murmur is still there. Maybe it's gone, fingers crossed. But if it's not gone, we really need to get a cardiologist to come out and have a scan for another $1,000. Um, and yeah. it's, it's one of those difficult situations that, and the owner, I think by the end of the consult, wasn't listening to me anymore. It was all, That no. was all going it's over like their head. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'd given them some bad news. So, but yeah, anyway, but obviously they wanted the puppy. And so, um, and so hopefully in a month's time, we will be gone, but wait and see.
1: It's interesting. Mm. I had a um one of our really good clients say um they'd rung rung me up because they're getting themselves a, a little vizsla, and um uh, which is yeah shortlisted for us with you know our our next you know breed of dog that we're thinking about getting a um getting a little biz. Um, wow! So, Tell yeah. me more. You, you're going to get a vizsla. Well, well, thinking, thinking. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, you know, um you're, you're a fan it.
2: for a crazy out of control dog no no worries that's fine mate uh, oh, good.
1: they're not all crazy and out of control it's just most of them are <laughs> <laughs> right okay um no um i can i can say this now while she's asleep but yeah thinking about succession planning oh yes yes yeah. understandable um, yes so um so yeah so, so these these clients are talking um so they ran up and said look we've just wanted to talk to you we've um we've found a breeder um they've they've got a puppy that's going to be available um but they've told us that it's got a murmur and so so it's been they've found a murmur with the first check and their vet has said come back in again in a couple of weeks so that we can have a listen and see whether or not the murmur is still there and they said to me does that sound like it's a legitimate thing does that sound like it's something that you would say and Absolutely. Everything in that, that you're telling me in that story makes me really happy. A, the puppies have been checked by a vet that have been able to find the murmur in the first place, because not all the times, not all puppies might be checked with fine tooth comb that they should be at that first puppy vaccination. Second is that that vet has used their common sense and said, yeah, look, let's have another listen again in a couple of weeks to see whether or not it's actually still there or not. And three, the breeder has been up front with you, you know, yeah. so, so all of that makes me very, very happy that likely, you know, you're dealing with people that are honest, that are going to give you the right advice. And yeah, if the murmur's gone away, absolutely. But, you know, obviously happy to see it when you do, when you guys do get it so that I can have a listen to it as well.
2: Yeah. consider that. how old's the dog? What sort of age?
1: Oh, yeah, it's only you know, just, it was only just checked out for its first puppy vac. So it would only be yeah eight weeks old or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. So, so they, yeah. they
2: might still get it at 12 weeks. Because, yeah, I would just worry then that they're missing some core socialisation period where the dog's actually not in their home and they're not able to give the dog adequate socialisation, potentially, it's still with the, the breeder. That yeah, would be yeah, my no, they, concern.
1: No, no. So, so on that, yeah, they because um, it was picked up at that early one, um, they weren't going to be getting it uh, like a – I think they, they was getting rechecked again. Like, I did, this was like two weeks ago that I'd spoken to them, so yeah. it was probably getting rechecked at um, at about the, at the eight week mark. Before then, they were going to get yeah, right it because I oh, said okay. that to them as well. I said, "No, you 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 want to get that puppy so that you can be getting it into your environment yes. um, and getting it used to that as early as what you can." Yeah, good. Um, yeah. So so yeah, and, and oh, that's right because the, the breeders were down in Warnable and I said, "Oh, yeah, no, look, it's a tough one, you know, because in, in an ideal world." I'd say go and get the pup, bring it in. I'll check it, you know, and then and then see what's going on. But just a warnable's a very long way away, long yes. way to go from Melbourne. Yes. Just to
0: call, call in, get a
1: pup, come back. Oh yeah, not nah, is still there. Drive it back again. Yeah, so, no, yeah. not allowed. All right. Also in the news this week. So um, just when we thought it was all done, Lewis, with the uh the the poison meat saga. Oh uh, just, yes. No, we're still oh. we're still. So um, uh, this is from um, ABC news um, a Victoria country hour by Kelly Lazaro posted on Thursday, the 26th of August Um, class action threat as dogs continue to die in toxic pet food case. Wow. She was 12 years old. Molly Patton had, has had her Maltese Shih Tzu scarlet by her side, but the 28 year olds loyal companion died on Monday morning after eating a toxic batch of, Pet food linked to a contamination that has now killed 26 victorian dogs molly's dog Scarlett fell ill a month ago after eating raw pet food that was sold as pure kangaroo meat the pet food was manufactured at the maffra and district knackery and sold through the wholesaler backman's greyhound supplies miss miss patton said her dog's parents dog ruby spent eight nights in intensive care eating the same batch of toxic pet food but has slowly been recovering. Her family has accrued $16,000 in medical bills, some of which they hope can be refunded through insurance. But they are appealing to authorities to move much more quickly on regulating Australia's pet food industry. Never in a million years would have I thought that pet food would not be closely regulated to make sure we are feeding essentially members of our family proper food that is safe to consume, Miss Patton said. If this had happened in a supply chain destined for human consumption, there'd be mandatory recalls, possibly even litigation. There is no consequence for this throughout the entire supply chain. Melbourne law firm Morris Blackburn is trying to recruit affected dog owners to a class action to recoup hundreds of thousands of dollars in compensation. The patents are yet to decide if they will sign up. The action is likely to allege that Maffronacri breached its duties to customers under the laws of negligence, contract and the Australian consumer law, said senior, senior associate Charles Noonan. And although the Maffronacri might assert that it wasn't aware that its dog food contained this toxin, its knowledge of the toxin isn't actually necessary to establish that it breached its obligation to customers. Maffronacri has been contacted for comment. Not pure kangaroo. Miss Patton said her family at Mount Eliza on the Mornington Peninsula had been buying what they thought was 100% raw kangaroo meat in 10 kilogram bags for their dogs Ruby and Scarlet for years. But tests confirmed the meat also contained horse and beef and the toxin endospicine. The natural toxin is found in native plants eaten by livestock in the Northern Territory, but can cause liver disease in dogs. We weren't notified. In fact, we called them the wholesaler after my mum came across a post on Facebook that flagged meat purchased from certain retailers between certain dates could be dangerous to dogs. Miss Patton said, "On the first occasion, we were told it was okay, and that it was the and that the risk was only in beef and horse meat, and the kangaroo was 100% safe to give our dogs. They didn't tell us the kangaroo was mixed with beef and horse. Oh. The patterns provided." frozen pet food samples for testing by CSIRO and University of Queensland which returned positive for Induspecine same as that case um, that that we had at our clinic Induspecine can can build up slowly when affected meat is consumed regularly by dogs Agriculture Victoria says dog owners are reminded that they should not feed pet their pet any fresh or frozen pet meat sourced from the Mathford district district between the 31st of May and the 3rd of July All kinds of pet meat fitting that description, including products described as beef and kangaroo pet meat, should be considered at risk of indispercene contamination due to the blending of pet meats during processing, a spokesperson said. Agriculture Victoria said 68 dogs that ate the toxic pet food had fallen ill, of which 26 had died from severe liver disease. It says more deaths are possible. If any good comes from this, it would be to see the pet food industry regulated to the same standards as human foods and to see those regulations audited and mandated.
0: Yeah
1: right. So, yeah, you know, out comes the uh, the old litigation word, mm. you know. So, uh, it because as we reported in the last uh, the last update that there was not going to be any further um, uh, any further things done from the Department of Ag. They the Department of Ag Victoria they weren't going to be chasing anything up or doing anything further. But uh, yeah, sounds like the lawyers are going to see whether or not they can. Circle the wagons and try and get a class action going, which, yeah, you know, is – I mean, it's never good when these things start to come about, but, you know.
2: Mm. And is your – do you know if your uh, client, the dog – the. Are they joining in? yet? I suppose you're not in touch with not them. Not sure. Not sure. I haven't, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't
1: spoken to them about it because this articles only come out recently. But I haven't heard from them as to whether or not they are um, that they've been approached or whether or not that would be mm-hmm. anything that they'd be interested in or whether or not they put it down to a well, yeah, you know, it's yeah, you know, we don't want to have to go through all the trauma again of um, of it having happened in the first place. So. Yeah,
2: it's interesting. It's yeah. just, I mean. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what happens with the legal aspect of it. I mean, certainly from our perspective, um, it's 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 horrendous what's happened. Just absolutely horrendous. And to find out that, you know, well, maybe not surprising, I suppose, that the meat doesn't contain exactly what it says on the label um yeah. from the Mafranacari. But um, but uh yeah, it's why you That's should go for a, a reputable brand of food and don't we're not a fan of raw foods,
1: are we? Uh, no because you just can't prove what what it says in the bag because they don't have to that they're not under any obligation other than their own conscience to make sure of what it says in the bag is what's actually in the bag so so you need to have confidence in what's in what's in there and this is yeah you know there was a a place that like Backman's uh, was owned by the knackery. so you know they that's their, yeah. You know, they were they were putting it out as that you know know this is what we've gotten, this is what it is, and mm. so yeah, you know, mm. I mean, that's a, It'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Like I say, you know, it's I always hate it once lawyers start getting involved in things. It's never much, uh, never much fun at all. So
2: no, uh, no, no, spot yeah. on, mate. Yeah. And you got anything else in the week this week in the uh,
1: uh No, we might leave the next one for um for for next week. I reckon we'll all move right. on to um move on to uh, the disclaimer. Um, so all advice on the show is generally nature. So please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. Do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Let us know if we've missed anything or if you need any clarification. Excellent. Now, I, um, I, I
2: saw an article. This is an old article. I'm not sure if um, we've gone through this before, but we certainly have talked about misconceptions about dog behavior. And I thought I'd touch on it again. Um, this is an article that uh, it's from the Conversation, um, and it's um, it's part of Paul McGreevy and Melissa Starling, um, who've launched a book called "Making Dogs Happy," um, and it's it, it's uh, talks about ten common misconceptions about dog behaviour. Um, and I thought be good. We could have a bit of a chat about these and just go through each one ourselves and sort of uh, sort of get our thought sort of thoughts on it. So the first one they've got is that dogs have a human appreciation of sharing. Um, so they go that humans can rationalise and appreciate the benefits of sharing. In contrast, among dogs, possession is ten tenths of the law. So uh, we should not take toys bones and chews away from them from dogs unless we've trained them to accept this form of intervention and this is a really common thing that uh that owners like to say that oh i could take a bone away from my dog anytime at all and 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 or i should be able to take that toy or i should be able to take the food bowl away from the dog um and 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 they should be happy with me doing that and my sort of thing is well certainly if i had a very delicious dessert or something, you know, I'm a big sweets kind of guy and you took that away from me, I wouldn't necessarily be particularly happy even if you did give it back to me. The next time you approach me, I'll be like, oh, I'm not sure. Are you coming to take that away again? And I might just uh, just hold on to it a little bit tighter, hold on to, hold on to the plate. And dogs can be very – what's that? You've gone you – yeah, know, I've lost you, mate. You've gone mute on me. So might be that little button at the front. 167 episodes, and no, you're still definitely mute. So anyway, well, um, um, so yeah, they dogs certainly don't have any appreciation that uh, that we should be able to take food away from them, um, and and that we're going to give it back to them. Uh, the number two on the list is uh, dogs always enjoy common human physical displays of affection. I must say this is probably my most favorite bit of the podcast because Robbie is officially on to mute. Um, so that might've worked. No, no. Can you hear me now? Now well, we're back listeners. Robbie's back. Excellent. So um, good to, good to hear. So, and this, I think the big part of this is that about hugging of dogs uh, we love to often. Well, some humans like a good hug and, um, and I'm pretty sure I lost you again, Robbie. So this is, yeah, no. Um, we like to hug each other. Well, not all people like hugs, but certainly not all dogs like hugs either. So, um, um you know, people think that uh, that uh, if if we like hugs, uh, they should enjoy hugs, but they certainly don't don't always enjoy hugs. So you do need to do need to look at their body language um, when you're embracing them. Make sure they're not uncomfortable. Um, or seem threatened by that. And that's similar for patting over the head. Uh, so it looks like uh Robbie's broken his microphone, which is which is interesting. Anyway, uh, so the same thing patting over the head. A lot of dogs just don't like to be patted over the head and they find that very threatening. Um, and they may actually a bite if, if that like occurs. That? You are back. Yes, excellent, good. Number three, barking and growling dogs are always threatening or dangerous. Um, now, it's uh, an interesting one that um, certainly it can seem like they're very threatening when they're barking at us, but often it's just about increasing space um, between us and them. They're actually scared of us or want to we walk into a concert room, dog will start barking at us. And I think that's actually a little warning sign for me or a little something where I go, thank you for letting me know that you're, not, you're uncomfortable. I'm just going to ignore you um, and give you some space. Same with the growling. Um, Yeah, It's a really great way for them to say, um, you know, please give me some space. Um, They're not actually being particularly aggressive, um, but what they are saying is just don't come so close to me. Number four, dogs will welcome unfamiliar dogs to their home. Uh, Now this one comes from dogs. uh, I say dogs evolved from wolves and therefore primed to defend want what is theirs? I'm not really so keen with that comment, but um, they certainly have an attachment to the home territory and the resources that contained with it, um, and they've got no idea that if you bring another dog into the home, where that dog, other dog's actually going to leave, or mm. you know, or that other human, or. What's going to happen? So often they will get quite defensive in their home environment. So expecting um expecting them just to accept other dogs or people into that home environment doesn't necessarily go um go in that direction. Number five, dogs like relaxing as much as humans do. So we go to work and go to school on uh before lockdown. Yeah, yeah, so months. Yeah. Yeah, so we greatly value the opportunity to chill at home and maybe watch TV. In contrast, dogs spend most of their time at home and they do value the exercise, say, value exercise off the property um, far more than the time spent on the sofa. So for dogs, it's really important to realise, yeah, they might've been lying around all day while we've been out. Um, but now that uh, we've come home, they certainly enjoy some activity and exercise time. Uh, number six, an effusive dog is a friendly dog. Uh, So friendly for one dog is not necessarily friendly for all dogs. And some dogs use excessive friendliness as a way to alleviate anxiety associated with meeting another dog or a human. And we see this in a lot of, uh, in the concert room, don't we the really dog that's just so out of control seems so just friendly all,
1: all over you. Just, you know, yeah. i just, you know, it's, you give a treat and it's already, ju- it's just, you know, jumping all over. It just wants a treat even before that's left your hand. Like it's you know, an, an over aroused kind of dog.
2: Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And the classic one. Yeah. Like you say that they're just eating those treats so, so, so fast. It's just a, not a normal speed. And, and that's a real indication of, of anxiety. So owners of very friendly dogs may be surprised when other dogs do not uh, cheerfully receive their dog. So they actually pick up that over exuberance as anxiety and often get a bit upset by it. So, um, so those dogs often prefer a, a more sedate. Uh, some dogs prefer a more sedate greetings and, and do like a lot of personal space and don't like those dogs jumping all over them. Number seven, Dogs approach when they want to engage playfully. Some owners are confused when a dog approaches a human or another dog in a friendly fashion and then growls or snaps at them. These dogs may be motivated to approach chiefly to gain information rather than to interact, and some may like strangers in principle, but nevertheless become anxious and overwhelmed all of a sudden. So, if you're seeing this pattern in your dogs, best to call them away from new dogs or humans. Um, and then allowing them to try and interact again um, after after a couple of seconds. So give them a little bit of time out. Mm. Number eight, a big yard, big backyard can replace walks because dogs spend so much time at home in the yard. They often find the area a little too familiar and sometimes rather dull. Um, and that's, that's interesting. There was, was a study that was done with uh, I think it was with Labradors. They found that, um, that uh, they put up some cameras in the backyard of Labradors and found the only thing that, um, that indicated whether uh, the dog would interact with what was going on in the backyard was actually how much uh, sort of trees and shrubs was in the backyard. And not right. the size of the backyard. So if it was a tiny little courtyard, but was covered with lots of trees and shrubs and areas. Obviously, we can go and explore and get new yeah. scents and and things that um that they actually moved more in that backyard than in the larger backyard that was barren. Just was you know a big lawn or or something like that. Yeah. So, um, so uh, the size of the yard is far less important to dogs than what happens in it. Dogs truly thrive on play with each other, with us and with toys. They particularly love to do so in a novel environment, so time spent out of the yard is the very best of fun. Number 9. Dogs are willfully dev- defiant when they don't do as when they don't do as they are told. Rather than deciding to disobey us, dogs sometimes simply can't do what we ask them to, either they don't actually know what we're asking them to do. That might be a classic case of a little puppy you're telling to sit, um, but just doesn't understand sit or you're trying to potty train it, but it just doesn't understand that uh, where you actually want it to go to the toilet. Yeah. Um, Dogs are not great at generalizing. So just because they sit nicely when asked to in the kitchen, when you have treats in your hand, doesn't mean they automatically know what sit means when they're at the off-leash dog park. We talked about that in the last episode, dogs that won't sit if you haven't got a treat in your hand. So go and listen to that. While your dogs may know what sit means when being trained at home without distractions, asking them to do so when visitors are at the door might be like asking a child to kneel and pray upon arriving at an amusement park. Well, there we go. That's uh, nothing like bringing some religion into two vet store pets, is there, hey?
1: Yeah. absolutely. Interesting. Was, yeah, we are recording on a Sunday, Lewis, so it's good, yes. to, yeah, good, good, to, good to remember where we've all come from. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Uh, number 10, barking, snapping, or lunging
2: is the first sign of an unhappy dog. Well, no, that's not often the first sign. Often there are more subtle signs of an unhappy mm. dog that they're anxious, like avoiding eye contact, licking lips, furrowed brow, lifting their paw, tightening muscles on their face, yawning, um, so you need to be more aware of those ones before they escalate to more troubling, obvious signs, such as growling and snapping. So there we go. 10 common misconceptions.
1: Yeah. And, and I think the um one the thing that I often find really interesting is that particularly in a consult room, so yeah, you know, once once you, you know, it's almost like in that movie The Matrix, like once you realize You know what, the signs are that the dogs are showing, you actually pick up a lot more of what the dogs are actually trying to tell you in the actual consult. And, but the owners are just completely oblivious to it, A, because we see a lot of dogs all the time in that particular environment. Um, So we're used to seeing these dogs that will, you know, they'll, that they yawn and they try and hide, they move around and, uh, you know, trying to say to owners, look, yeah, this is actually not quite normal. you know, but it's something that we can, that we can see. And I guess it's also, you know, what expectations you actually have with what you can do with those dogs. So I had someone come in the other day with a dog that was displaying all the signs of a dog that was going to, if I had have started to try and do more with it in the consult, we would have been in real strife. Like it would have started to, um, it was, it was moving away from me. Like every time I'd just try and sidle up next to it or run or run over the other side mm. of the room. Um, if the owner tried to uh, c- uh, tried to control it, it'd, it'd start flipping out and getting, uh, you know, trying to get away from the owner. And I said, look, you know, these are the signs of what your dog is showing of a dog that is not happy. We need to, we need to listen to these. Um, I said, because in the old days we would have said, right, you know, Chuck a muzzle on it, give it the injections. I said the next time your dog comes in, it is going to do all of this plus more. You know, we need we need to be much smarter with how we uh, with how we try and interact with your dogs. So trying to um, trying to use things to try and help to take that fear, try and take that anxiety away, to try and make the visitors, the visits, much more pleasant and much safer for the dog mm. and safer for us. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yep. No, we've come a long way, I think, with uh, understanding body language. So there we go. Maybe if you got any questions about misconceptions, um, but interesting that I've just taken a photo because uh, it looks like Melvin is, uh, it's very attracted to the, the tuna, the tuna smelling uh, uh, cologne that you've put on this morning, mate, with uh, pouring at your chest, trying to get in there, into your coat, just sitting on your lap while we're recording today. It's lovely.
1: Uh, he's, he's hopped up off the beanbag. I was actually going to record on my beanbag. But um, but he was on there, and I thought, no, I'll let him have the beanbag. I'll sit on the couch. Now he's woken up, and now he's giving me the death stare of. uh, So I I don't. I'm not sure where what Camille's up to because usually he likes to sit on Camille's lap when she's uh, yeah doing anything. Given that she's been playing Animal Crossing with one of her friends, (laughs) ah, there's the. I I can see the switch up there on the table. So no, she's not playing uh, Animal Crossing with her friend anymore. So. I seem to be the uh, the, the most it's, likely it's, one to uh, be able to sit on a leg. It's definitely
2: uh, the salmon-flavoured odour clone. I think the, the aftershave you put on your chest this morning, mate, really trying yes. to get in there, have a good sniff, and get you know, wants to know what's going on in there, I think. It, it's definitely. called
1: Something's a Little Fishy. That's a, that's the name of it. It's terrific.
2: <laughs> All right, mate. We've got, uh, got a mailbag question this week, I think, didn't we?
1: We sure do. Well, it's actually more of a more of a phone bag than, uh, than mailbag. I, I had a phone call this week uh, from Camille's teacher, uh, the real, oh, the real Mr. H. Yeah. Yeah. I was always, uh, always get a little bit, always get a little bit concerned when you have to uh, speak to the teachers. Yeah. Mid, midterm. So yeah. You know, uh, she been,
2: bit- uh yeah, I well, know no, Camille relatively well. She, she been naughty again, mate, or no, no Camille's a, I'm sure Camille's a, a wonderful uh, uh, class member. I don't, don't, don't doubt it. So, what what, what was the, very, what was the very, phone call? Very very
1: very much a rule follower is Camille, but unfortunately, it was a disciplinary phone call. Oh, but not, but not necessarily for Camille, more for <laughs> uh, Mr. H's new new little puppy called Winnie. So, right. um, yes, yeah, so so Mr. H has got himself a new little puppy, and um, given that we're doing remote learning, uh, we overheard during one of the uh, one of the phone call or one of the uh, the webexes that they have about uh, how. He'd been struggling a little bit with her like he got her um, got her a couple of weeks ago and uh, and sometimes have been good and sometimes have been quite bad so um, so I'd said to him i would reached out and said, hey Mr. H if you, if you've got any questions or anything like that let me know. We can talk yes. about him on the podcast. Yep. And so, um, so I spoke to him, uh, on, on Thursday afternoon and yeah, we had a bit of a chat about what, uh, what Winnie's been up to and, um, and how he's going with trying to get her, you know, doing all the right things. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's so it's interesting when you talk to, um, when you talk to, um, it's it's interesting when you're talking to people that, um, you know, some people, when they talk, when they're dealing with puppies, they're doing, there's a spectrum. Some people are doing everything absolutely wrong. Some people are doing everything absolutely right. You know? um, So Mr. H is doing really, really well um, in pretty trying circumstances, given that, got himself a new puppy they're in a they're in a um an apartment with a balcony um he's at home doing uh, doing remote learning so so he's there all the time and trying to work out right, well how do we try and train this puppy up trying to do what we want um you know as well as trying to do crate training and trying to trying to sort it out so um so he's, he's doing really really well and he said look if you if I had spoken to you last week i probably would have been you know you know pulling my hair out and feeling, you know, feeling pretty bad. But he said, I feel like, I feel like we're getting somewhere. So we had a bit of a chat about, um, about where he's at. And one of the things that was interesting with um, how he was talking was um, about crate training and about how, if she's asleep on the couch, Um, and if she's really, really asleep and he puts her into the crate, she'll go back off to sleep. But if she's not quite asleep and he puts her in there and she wakes up and they close the door and she starts getting herself really, really upset. Um, and I said, yeah, it's one of those tough ones of where, you know, if they only associate being in the crate with being confined, that they see it as being a bad thing of being popped in there. So, so you might want to try and tweak it a little bit of using because they've got Kongs and slow feeders and all that sort of stuff trying to help to engage her brain, which is terrific. I said, maybe try feeding her in the in the actual crate. So you're yeah, putting lots of food in there, but don't actually close the door. So just have her go in there, have the treats, and then she can walk back out again. And then slowly increase the amount of treats and increase the amount of time she's going in there. And then you might shut the door, but then open it up again before she reaches a point where she starts to make the noise. of going, whoa, whoa, whoa let me out, let me out, let me out. I said the other thing that then is, you know, we were speaking a couple of weeks ago that you want to praise the behaviour that you want and ignore the behaviour that you don't want. So if she's in there and yeah, she is we'll, making we'll, a lot we'll of redirect,
2: noise. redirect it too, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, well, tell us yeah. about that
1: redirection. What's, a, what are you, what's well, your advice well, to your Well, redirect with redirection?
2: Like, well, a classic example is that a dog's jumping up on you yeah, um, and you don't want to jump up on you. Well, you might ignore it, but then at the same time you might tell it to sit. So you tell yeah. it to do another behaviour or... Uh, you know that when you come home from uh, shopping, uh, the dogs run up to the, you know, run up to you and jump on you. So you might have a handful of treats by the front door, um, and you might ignore the jumping behavior, but also you redirect. You throw treats onto the floor, and so it redirects to give them something an alternate behavior yeah that the, the, they can do at that time so you teach them what you actually want them to do but anyway i'll digress mate so in the crate
1: no no no, no. yeah so um so it's similar similar thing to what we were um i guess what what we were alluding to with um within the crate that if she's in there and she is making a lot of noise just trying to wait until she does quieten down herself so we don't condition her to think that making a huge amount of noise Will actually then get her the attention that she wants so it's that thing with puppies where you know their their main currencies is food and fun and um and attention and so giving her that attention when she is calm and try and and quiet and trying to not promote the behaviour that we don't want by going to her when, she is, uh, when she's getting herself really worked up, but trying to slowly get her used to being in the crate as not being, you know, all doom and gloom, that, you know, that, that you'll be in there for short periods of time and yet you'll still be let out.
2: Yeah, I certainly I love the idea of um you know you talk about the the crate training aspects where you're using food and putting us in there when the you know um, with the, the the crate door open that sort of thing. The one thing I do add as a little caveat to that of you know, sort of a you know not going to them when they're uh, you know they're barking or or perhaps um seem to be soliciting attention is there are some puppies that get Really overly distressed mm. of being um, locked in a crate, and and uh, <clears throat> and leaving them in for, you know, a, a long period of time. If they're very very distressed, actually makes them worse, and mm. sensitises them to the crate in that they. Then associate the crate with that one bad or those bad experiences of actually being locked in there and, and getting so worked up about it. So we do occasionally have clients, um, you know, they're trying the crate training and uh, and they're putting the dog in there and it's it's just getting really really worked up, um, and and it gets to the point where actually I say to owners, actually you need to, you know, you've got to leave that door open. Um, and it's even the case sometimes when it's uh, p- uh, putting puppies in another room and they well, they want to sleep out of the bedroom. Um, and they just so distressed with with being you know, locked out in another room away from owners. And I actually say to say to owners, look, you've actually got to bring the puppy into your bedroom where it's comfortable. It's not getting distressed because it's actually making it worse. And then, as the puppy gets older, then you might be able to gradually start moving that dog bed out of the bedroom slowly. On, on, you know, um, as they're a bit older and they're more comfortable, and 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 so you do need to be a little bit careful with crate training because, yeah, you know, there is a fine line I think between a puppy that is wanting attention when that door is shut um, on the crate. Um, and the uh, the puppy is actually getting so highly distressed that it 's actually making it worse, so I would be working more on um you know that that positive stuff you 're talking about of, of feeding them in there, using food rewards, throwing toys in there sitting next to the crate, you know reading a book or something to the puppy, and encourage them to go in there. <clears throat> Um, nice bedding in there. If they're inclined to want to go to sleep on the couch, every time maybe they, they're sort of resting on the couch, you might move them into the crate, but don't shut the door. Um, encouraging them with food rewards, talking to them quietly when they're in there, that sort of thing. Because yeah, um, uh, yeah, if you do shut the door and there's a little bit of yelping, if that settles down, <clears throat> I don't like to put a time frame on it, but I want to think it was within a minute or so. Mm. And they're so distressed with being in there. My preference would be that we think, all right, crate training is perhaps not working at such a young age. Let's put it off for a little bit. Let's think, all right, we can always work up that crate training as, as we sort of get older. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, really a little bit of revisor there. And sometimes I do get owners to send me a little bit of a video Yeah, of them in that crate scenario. Not that I want a 10-minute video of the dog screaming at the crate door saying, let me out. And the owners go, this is what it's doing. I'm like, no, I don't need that. Uh, You know, and so it really should be a process of there might be a little bit of wimpy and crying, but there shouldn't be any sort of frantic, really scratching and throwing yourselves around the crate that, that, that lasts for longer than maybe a minute or a couple of minutes. I don't have a specific time frame on that, but, um, but that's a really common thing that unfortunately sometimes gets misconstrued with the way we sort of tell people uh, how crate training should go.
1: And on that, is it, because um, it's almost like you know, when we're giving people advice about what happens with um, like thunderstorm phobias and things like that, that if dogs get themselves so worked up that, you know, yeah, it is okay to give them a hug because, you know, if they're going to get themselves, yeah, like there's a, like a degree where they're just going to get themselves so worked up that to actually give them a bit of physical contact makes them feel good. Say in that situation where if you did have a puppy that was, getting itself really worked up in the crate. Would you say then like letting them out of the crate, but then ignoring them until they've calmed down again, rather than you know, having them come out and giving it, giving them a cuddle and say, well, I'll let you out. And I'll give you a cuddle. Would It be more of a thing. If you let them out, wait until they've relaxed and then still only give them the attention. Once they've relaxed back down.
2: Oh, that's interesting, mate. You bring up a lot of, a uh, lot of interesting. Uh, poking uh, the bear, poking yeah. The bear. Some interesting stuff that made the first thing just to, the the, the the thing with the thunderstorm phobias stuff is that uh, what dogs are actually experiencing there is fear mm-hmm. So when you're experiencing fear it's not because it's it, uh, it's an emotion it's an innate emotion that you can't train a dog to be fearful of something. Right. you can't teach somebody to be fearful of heights or fearful of spiders. It's something that that is a sort of innate within them so actually cuddling a dog when they're fearful or um or or, you know fearful or thunderstorm phobic is actually not going to make them worse so it was a common misconception don't you know dogs anxious with a thunderstorm you know or they're thunderstorm phobic you know uh, patting or cuddling them will make them worse well that's actually not true because you can't reward a fear behavior so if you're cuddling a dog with a thunderstorm it's actually making them calmer that's a better response. You're not actually rewarding them and going, oh, next time there's a thunderstorm, if I show I'm really scared, I'll get a cuddle. doesn't (laughs) really sort of work on it. So that's putting that sort of stuff to the side. But then the the crate sort of stuff, I suppose, you know, if you put them in the crate and they're becoming that, uh, they get really fearful or scared in the crate and you let them out of the crate, I don't think giving them a cuddle and making them feel better in that one instance and then going, all right, from now on we're not going to lock you into the crate until you're a year older or, you know, until you're more comfortable in there, or we've done this training of yep. Going in, there's a fun thing, you know, sort of thing. So one off. Yep. You've cried. I've let you out of the crate. I don't think that's going to necessarily matter whether you cuddle the dog, or you ignore the dog or what you do. But I think if they're that fearful and that, that phobic and scared in the crate, leading them out giving them a cuddle, showing that you're a, an owner that's uh that's going to give a little bit of empathy to them i don't i don't think that really matters but it, what matters is what you do after that are you going to put them back in the crate and make them scream and you know that sort of thing yeah. Again, well no you're not you're going to actually work on that baseline stuff and there are some dogs unfortunately that you just can't trade train they yeah. just they just get too upset with that separation and that's fine but you'd be working on some independence training stuff and that's another whole episode talking about that but but um yeah, so yeah, look, lots going on there, mate. Love that; it's really got me, uh, yeah, piqued my interest. A really, really, yeah, good, good little brought up a lot of good stuff. But uh, well that's hopefully, good. Was a- hopefully, the least Mister H, Mister H, 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 yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get something out of it.
1: Well, hopefully, yeah. So, so, it, 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 and that's the thing with crate training is it's just trying to do little bits, little bits, little bits, isn't it? Yeah, just trying to get them. Yeah, that the crate is a positive thing; that it's it's a, it's a okay to be there because um because he is a school teacher. I said the other thing is you know we need to. You know, you, you've got to start working on the assumption that you know next term you're going to be going back to school, and that she's going to be home by herself. So, giving her the opportunity of being at home for short periods of time by herself, and sort of just checking the sea, make sure that she's not going to be getting herself too too worked up. Because I mean, yeah, hopefully we're all you know in Victoria, kids are going to be back at school. Yeah, uh, when, yeah. Oh,
2: we we dare to dream. We dare to dare, dream. Dare to well, dream. Well, same sort of thing. I mean, if you're going to go out for a short period just to even put the bins out might yeah. be a good, good start, just that short period, you know, give them the, the Kong with the peanut butter in it, mm. give them, um, you know, some sort of chew toy, something that they love, that they can be distracted so they're not getting distressed with that short visit and do that a couple of times. If we seem comfortable with that, then you might go out and, uh, you know, walk around the block once and, and 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 come back and just sort of gradually lengthening those times um, in, the, in the hope that one day, we all get to go out and go back to work, and life returns to normal.
1: Yeah, um,
2: <laughs> and that's the end of yeah. the story.
1: Yeah, a lovely yeah, yeah, fairy yeah. No tale more, that is, and no more COVID. and We're all yeah. vaccinated, and everything's exactly. wonderful. Yes. we get to yeah, go back exactly. to the football again, and everything will be yeah. great.
2: <laughs> exactly. Great question, mate. Love that, Mister H. Uh, thank you for the phone call, and I hope yes. Uh, and uh, and I uh, oh, just uh, just a side note just between me and Mr H if you could give Camille a good mark that'd be that'd be much appreciated. There we go nice uh, by one the Anderton yeah. family I'm sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: all righty guys we'll cool. scratch you later.
1: Oh yeah uh, yeah any other, anyone else has got any all questions right. send them to two vets talk pets at gmail.com. Uh, look for us at patreon.com, search for two vets talk pets you know Lewis with all of these things that he keeps trying to sign me up to uh, and uh, and otherwise yeah yeah peace out all.
0: Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com.